Welcome back to episode nine of the Be Under Par podcast. We got our friend David, and actually, not a client of the Be Under Par Performance Center, but a friend that is currently using that. He's from out of town. He's visiting. Um, he's been. He's an avid. Uh, let the, tell us a little bit about yourself. So we'll start off. Uh, you're a big fitness guy. You've been on a long fitness journey. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where where did that start for you? Where did your fitness journey start? I, I would say it started after my freshman year of college. Uh, like how much did you weigh and how much do you currently weigh? Sure, sure. So I I entered my freshman year of college at five foot eleven, uh, about a hundred and. 35 pounds, 140 wow. pounds. Um, You're a fucking beanpole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I put on the, the freshman 10 or 15 and I came back for first summer and I, I spent the uh, spent the summer living at my parents' place going to community college back in, in Amarillo, Texas uh, and and working for the, the church that I, that I attended there and uh, was like, oh man, I I uh, I looked down one day in, in the shower and I was like, they, they, "There's some issues going on. Uh, I need to need to fix this." And so that was like the the wake up call. Like, okay, I, I really don't ever want to look like an, an average American, uh, for lack of a better description. <laughs> so that was that was what started it. And I would say that it didn't really like start in earnest in, in like the sense of like a religious like daily practice uh, up until I was in grad school. Uh, at Texas A&M a few years later, uh, where one of the the guys a year ahead of me in grad school was a big like I mean he was he was this guy from from North Dakota, like built like country shit house, you know, <laughs> like corn corn fed corn like, fed. you know, he was about Farmer five strength. five ten probably weighed like two fifteen and was just stacked yeah yeah uh, super nice guy and he was like if you wanna if you wanna come to the gym with me I'm here at this time every single day and I was like all right so that's how how I started and. You know, it's been a you know a, a series of progressions kind of ever since. Sure. Um, and who? So that was an obvious obvious inspiration. Is there anybody that's like inspired you within the the fitness world um, besides like personally, but somebody you looked at and like say, hey, you know what? He uh, he seems like he's got a pretty good methodology. He seems like so. Who was that like first guy besides like? That guy that you met from North Dakota, like who else was somebody you looked to as like a source of inspiration? Yeah, um, I didn't really have like something that I like a person, I guess that I that I wanted. Yeah. Right. There was like a, a body type that I wanted to have. Right. And it was like I want to look good shirtless when I go to the pool. <laughs> and so you're like, you don't look, we all? Yeah. You, you look around and you know this is you know 2000, you know 10, 11, 12, and so it's like you know. Ryan Reynolds is coming off of like Blade Three. He's oh, yeah. jacked, and you're like, that's that's incredible, right? He's you know got a rocking six pack, um, you know, Gosling in, in the same way, uh, you know, kind of the same thing. So that that was part of it, right? And these guys are movie stars, and you know that that's that's what they get paid to do. Um, but really, for me, like what really pushed me from like you know your average like working out guy being five eleven, weighing like one fifty five, which is still relatively small in the grand scheme of things was when I went to Afghanistan uh, one of my private security detail guys was a, was a British guy named Ian 
And Ian was a top 50 CrossFitter in all over the United Kingdom. Oh, damn. And so I walked in one day, and he's, like, cleaning, you know, 225 for reps. Whoa. And you're just like, <laughs> okay, this this guy's a beast. And it, let become, it became less about, you know, looking good shirtless on the beach trying to pick up babes with biceps. And more like, I want to be able to do what that guy's doing in the sense of, now that I'm in a war zone, my your mindset, my mindset personally flipped to if something happens, I have to be able to pick up another human being who probably outweighs me plus body armor. So you're looking at anywhere between 190 to 250 pounds and we have to get out of whatever situation that we're in. And so it became less about I want to look good and more about I want to be able to ensure that I can take care of these guys because they are all, their job is also to take care of me. So, so, function, so, so it started with the, the idea behind, obviously, a little vanity and, you know, wanting to change your physique and stuff like that. And then it became real to, like, life and death circumstances and also wanting to be a good part of your team and being the, like, you know, you have to watch out for your brothers in that case, right? Because you're, you're serving together. Now, how long did you serve for? So I was, I was not in the military, and so there's, that is a thing that I do want to make you know, perfectly clear. I never signed the dotted line. I never put on a, a green uniform. Sure. Um, uh, there is a, a niche thing that, that people fall into called defense contracting, and that is you hold a, a security clearance and you do things on behalf of the United States government that they simply don't have the personnel or resources to employ as a direct employee. And so you work for a private company that is then contracted to, in this case, the U.S. Department of Defense, and you provide the U.S. Department of Defense with whatever service that happens to be, whether that's private security or cleaning toilets, all of those things and everything in between is, is contracted. Did wow. you see yourself doing that when you were younger? Or did you uh, want to go into the military? Did you want to sign that dotted line? N no. Uh, when I, so when I was, when I was in, in undergrad, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and practice international law in, in the UK and in the EU because I thought that would be like a, a really great thing to do, like practicing, like, like trade law, essentially, because um, at the time the EU was becoming this thing, and the UK was attached to the United to the European Union, but um, they weren't using the euro, which was like an interesting dispute. And now, obviously, the United Kingdom has left the European Union, so like they probably need really good trade lawyers. So maybe I would have picked a uh, a good uh, a good career. Um, but one of my professors in, in undergrad was a former uh, ambassador to two African countries. And he kind of persuaded me to look into public service um, working for the, for the government. And so that's kind of the route that I took with a little with a little nudge nudge. And so from there, from Texas Tech, I applied and, and was accepted to go to the Bush School at Texas A&M, which is a huge public service school. We have, we have um, you know, former students you know, that work for all different parts of the United States government, all different parts of companies. Um, there are Aggies all over the world, literally all over the world. There were, there were, I think there was, I ran into an Aggie at every single military base that I ever went to in Afghanistan. You had a story, right? I don't know where you were. You said you were at a restaurant or something and, and you ran into a guy with a ring. No. Oh, there, every, everywhere I go. Um, we were, <laughs> oh man, we're going to talk about Aggie stories. 2000, 2011, we fly out to Las Vegas, Nevada. And we're out there and we're gambling. It's like, 11 30 12 o'clock at night we're at the blackjack table the where the, the dealer behind the table is just like michael jackson it was super awkward <laughs> and uh and the the guy next to me he like 
pushes his card away and does one of these things. And A and M, you have these massive, massive class rings. They're super noticeable. The A and M ring and the Citadel ring look eerily similar. So he pushes away and says, "Hey, is that a A and M ring or is that a Citadel ring?" He's like, "Oh, A and M smacks his hand on the table." He's like, "Class of whatever, right?" And anytime you meet an Aggie, they always tell you what class when, when they graduated, so you kind of know, you know, age, whatever, etc. And um, as he did this, the guy two people over from him did the exact same thing because he went to A&M. <laughs> and then the, guy, the guy two people over from me did the same thing because he went to A&M. Wow, jeez. And so, of course, I was there, the youngest, right? I'm like, class of 2011. And they're all, like, <laughs> laughing at me. Their rings are just beat to hell and back, right? Like, two of them were, like, oil, like big oil guys in, in Midland. They had done a ton of stuff with their life. All the they're way out in Vegas. All the way out in Vegas. That's crazy. Jeez. When I was... Um, when I was in Afghanistan, I was in Herat, uh, which is in western Afghanistan, about 40 kilometers from the Iranian border. And the um, Special Operations Task Force captain, uh, their team lead, was an Aggie. And uh, he was walking in front of me one day on the military base, you know, just walking right along. And I look at him like, that dude's got a beard. It's definitely not normal military. Must be Special Forces. I look down, he's got a big Aggie ring. And I was like... Excuse me, Captain. Did you happen to go to A and M? And he was like, "I sure did." Class of you know, I think it was two thousand and seven or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, we're closer in age. All right, I got, I got this." Um, and that paid huge dividends for us later on. Um, you never know when you're going to need special forces. Yeah, so. isn't that the truth? Especially when you're serving um, or you're spending time in a in a foreign land. So now this is like an area where we've never really we've never ventured into here on the Be Under Par podcast. This is new. This is uh, this is new territory, unprecedented so, territory. Exactly. So this is a place where we can learn a lot. You know, this is something that we've talked about golf. We've talked a bit about fitness. We've talked about entrepreneurship. But one place that I think we could all stand to learn a lot is, um, and and David, you've already shared things uh, with us in just this brief time, but also in other conversations, just about foreign policy and different things that take place that had you not like expressed that and everything that's going on in the world right now especially here in the united states it it helps paint a clearer picture of the relationship to the government and the people within and politics right um you you kind of painted a clear picture for me the other night about some foreign policy um, that were passed by, you know, the president that is currently leaving office. And that helped, that helped my mind uh, kind of wrap around and be able to understand something in a way that I hadn't been able to. So um, my question to you is how much of a, like, progression was it, you know, like, did you, was your family big on, or had anyone else done something similar in your family? Um, so did you have any of that like knowledge before getting involved? Uh, not, not really. Um, so my, both my grandparents um, served in, in, the, in the military. Uh, my, one of my grandfathers was in the Marines, my other grandfather was in the Air Force, and then my dad's mom also served in the Air Force, so they were uh, a couple together. And you know, my, my dad's dad um, died relatively young so I didn't really get to know him and hear any of many of his experiences and um, my dad's mom never really talked about it uh, both my parents work in the medical industry so it was kind of a, 
uh, a new thing to go into this specific um, field, but at the same time, um, you know, there's there is that like family history of, of public service um, to the to the country. Uh, so that was that was not new. Uh, serving in an active war zone, that was a little new. Sure. Um, I think it kept my mom up at night, but of course, you know, things you do for God and country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think, um, yeah, like I said, in the just a few of the conversations, I haven't known you for that long, but um, in the few of the conversations that we've had, um, I've learned quite a bit. And I think for the average American that doesn't have, so uh, for myself, like I don't have any family that has served or spent any time um, in an active war zone. Um, so any, I think actually one of the first conversations I had with you, um, I said, I'm almost detached and I feel like I, I, I want to know. And, and that's why I'm like interested to talk to you about that stuff is like, I feel detached. Like it, at times the, the idea of war and the idea of uh, foreign conflict and, and these different policies like is is something that's truly foreign to me right so for back of a uh, lack of a better term um i want a better understanding so that when i when i hear of things taking place it's not something abstract it's something that i can like really relate to as far as or have a better understanding of um so when it comes to who you vote for or an understanding of different policies that take place um I want to have a better understanding so that I can make like an educated decision on who I vote for or just have a better understanding. So that's why like, I appreciate you coming on today and just sharing, you know, your experience um, because it is helpful and just sharing, you know, and helping people that maybe wouldn't have had an understanding because they don't have someone that they know personally to be able to, you know, express, first of all, the commitment and the sacrifice that goes along with it. But then also just to help us like understand some things that we wouldn't have other otherwise been able to. Yeah. So I think, thanks. I think that's also kind of cool. This is a good timing for it with everything that's going on in D.C. That's why you're up here, right? Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah to, to, to get away from the shenanigans. Yeah. It's just um, a good time for uh, having this conversation. I think Shane hinted on a, on a great point there, and that is uh, like the aspect of commitment, right? And when we talk about you know, making commitments at a, at a young age, I'm sure the same goes for you guys, right? You know, if you, if you make a commitment to something, my parents instilled it, that you've kept your, you kept your word, you kept that commitment. And so, you know, when I went to, when I went to Afghanistan, I made the commitment for a year. And then at the end of that year, I made a commitment for a second year. So I spent two years back to back over there. But at the same time, right, in doing that, that was a work commitment, but attached to that work commitment came that same fitness regimen, right? And so I think, a lot of my personal approach to to life is in the form of of the commitments that you make and the commitments that you don't make right and so you know everyone when you talk about either either fitness or, or work-life balance or whatever it is that, that you're going for you know people make a commitment to one thing over another thing and you know it is easier to make a commitment to somebody else because you know that that person is going to hold you accountable than making that commitment to yourself and holding yourself accountable mm -hmm. and so for me uh, you know, one of the things I've always said is I want to have that time in the gym every day to to do whatever it is that I need to do, right? What I'm doing, 
back day or need to work on core because we're going to the beach the next week or you know it's a big heavy lifting day because you know my buddy from he's a former wrestler at UNC wants to go in and, and, and do legs and he's five foot five on a good day and so like he, he will you know deadlift 405 pounds and I'm over there doing 225 you know like you, you, you need those humbling experiences but also you need to be able to to make that commitment to to yourself to do whatever it is you want to do in those aspects of life and hold yourself accountable uh, which, which is really hard. Um, it seems like you almost created things yeah. to keep you motivated. Yeah, you, you mean you, you really have to um, in the sense of, you know, over there in Afghanistan, like I previously mentioned, it was, you know, I want to be able to be physically able to do all these things and help these guys out. Um, back here stateside, it's I need this time so I am mentally able to decompress from the day. Yeah. Uh, and also, like, you, you know, you, you walk out feeling better about yourself because – you know, no matter what happens in your day, right, you know, you know, fires erupt, whatever shenanigans ensues, right, at the, you know, you have this scheduled time in your life where you've made that commitment to yourself to take care of yourself, right, you know, we talk about, you know, you're here, you know, in, every, anybody and everybody from, you know, Ryan Flaherty on Nike's uh, train podcast to the guys from Queer Eye talking about, like, self-care and self-love, right, taking that, taking that hour, right, to do whatever it is you need to do for yourself, is super important because you're going to feel better about accomplishing what you did and then you're also going to be able to better serve and or be a better person around the people yeah. you know that, that you choose to put yourself around whether that's your spouse or your best friends or your roommates whatever your situation may be um so yeah so so yeah. it all up it's about commitments i like that i like that a lot that's a that's a really good point and i think one of the things you were just talking about the commitment there um is something that a lot of people struggle with, right? Because they don't make the commitment to themselves. It's it's easier to, you know, I show up for work every single day, I do my job, and that's an easy commitment because you have the other pe person there or you have your, you know, family responsibilities or whatnot. But a lot of people, especially I feel like in this country, we, we, we've almost, um, when we look around, there's a lot of people that don't c take care of themselves physically or personally and they pay for it in the long run because not only like physicality, but just that mental aspect, right? Like um, I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it a lot. It's that time to like, like after a really good workout, right? You, you really kicked ass, you, you, you gave it your all. There's a, there's a mental headspace that just gets absolutely wiped, right? There's a, even if, if you had, whether you work out in the morning or you work out at night. So we each have our times for those of that, that are on a good consistent schedule that you carve out for that, right? And if it's in the morning, um, you kind of start your headspace in a good place because maybe the day before you had a bad day and you wake up and you need to burn that off. Or if it's at the end of the day, maybe you've had a tough day yeah. and you need to really work through and get rid of that like angst from the day. It's like whatever the hardship was for the day, whatever you're going through, you need to be able to push through and all you're focusing on is giving it your all in that workout. But now it helps your headspace, not only with that confidence you're talking about, but in that headspace to be able to really clear it out, right? Because like, I know as a, as a man, like you can get, you can get just built up. Like it almost like builds up inside of you, you know, wh whatever's going on, whether it be, you're, you're kind of stressed out from work or some of, you know, relationship stuff or whatever it is in your life that gives you that kind of build of maybe frustration at times. 
you, you need to be able to clear that. And I think training, whatever or whatever sort of like self care, it. But when you expend that energy, it feels like it kind of like blows off that steam, so to speak, or it, it really like clears your mental headspace. Or it does yeah. for me. And I, I think it's one of the things that gets overlooked a lot when you hear, when you hear people talk about fitness podcasts, et cetera, right? Like, there's so much to. Um, like mental fortitude and mental clarity, you know, whatever it is that, that you need for, for your day, right? So mental fortitude in the sense of you are you are committed and driven to accomplishing what you're doing. The clarity in the sense of having having the, the wherewithal, the knowledge of saying like, okay, I, I need to do this because I can feel this anxiety or I can feel this stress, you know, building up inside me and I need to have a, a physical outlet to release that that stress so I can continue yeah. to be productive or I'm not going to explode or whatever it is that people need uh, and it, it's 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 huge I mean even 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 Bill Gates right uses uses headspace the the app to to like you know take take 10 minutes of just like mental Zen time to do that and that is you know, if he's he's a billionaire billionaire owner of Microsoft, like if he could if he needs that, like maybe yeah, we as we as a society should should yeah. follow suit. I'm not saying that Bill Gates is perfect, but <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of people see that as like a waste of time. But in reality it allows you to optimize yeah. the things that you're doing when you're not, you know, just in your day to day life. Yeah, it really helps you. I mean, for me, I I personally use it as well. You know, when you can take ten minutes you know, and let's say that's all you have, right? You're transitioning from, you know, a, a 10, 11 hour day at work, and now you're like, oh, I'm dragging and, and, and I gotta go to the gym or I've gotta go to my kid's soccer practice or I've gotta do whatever. Taking that 10 minutes and focusing on whatever it is that, that, that they're gonna run you through, whether it's through an app or something else that you, that you have and just focusing on that, focusing on your breathing, really opens up not only like your, your, like, your pathways between like, your lungs and your heart and your head, but it also clears out whatever whatever like mental fog that you're carrying with you from that day. Yeah, it's kind of like the feeling you get after a yoga class, but like with yeah. less time. With less time. Yeah. <laughs> and no stretching. And no stretching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, meditation is a is a is a great thing. Um, I found I, I've I've brought that into my daily practice, and I, I can I can find that when I get away from it, I can I can tell pretty quick. So that like relief that I get from like a, a, a really good workout um, is like a different type of feeling at the end of it. Um, and I feel like with meditation, it's almost an organization or an organizing of thoughts for myself. Like that's, it brings it, brings it all back into, um, like if, if, if you can think of your mind as like a filing cabinet al almost, or what, what you have set for the week or for the day, um, the tasks you have to complete, they can maybe be a bit jumbled. And then once I have that time to like meditate, sit and meditate, even if I only spend 10 to 15 minutes, um, I find that it, they all get reorganized. It gets nice bulletin points in my mind. I'm like, ooh, okay, now I can execute. I got this, 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 and it just, it can flow better. Um, and I noticed that's a really good space for me. And, you know, everybody has to find their sweet spot. Yeah. I know uh, for a lot of people running, like yeah. going on runs. I know I used to, or whenever I got that, mad yeah. or something, I would just go on a run. Does, hey. that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, I'm patented for going on night runs. There was uh, one, yeah, one night when a particular girl uh, yeah. denied Dylan. And uh, 
Took I the dropped L. him off probably at maybe 11. Yeah, he came 11 to pick, pick me up. Dropped me off at we 11. We went on a little ride, and I, I see him start to walk to his door. And then I he thought, turns I thought around he left. Books yeah. it. And then he tells me, I'm just going for a run. I'm like, okay. And, and then, he texts me at, like, what, 3 in the morning? Yeah. And you're like, dude, I ran from my house around the lake and back, which is around the lake is 7 miles, and then it's probably – Two or three from there to, or from his house. Yeah, I wasn't. Well, okay, I don't, I don't want to say I'm running. Like, I wasn't <laughs> running fast. Like the beginning, I was running pretty good, but uh, the end, I started struggling. I was like, it almost got to the point where like that was excessively but, long. But the point is, it clears your head. It does, because then you get to the end and you're, you're just, just accomplishing something that not everyone else does. And then, then you go and you go to sleep and, that, and get the best night's sleep of your life, and then. <laughs> Wake up next day and you feel like you know what it's over. You yeah, know, you can't change it. I find it interesting when you you look at something before you you know take the time to work out or go to bed, and you seem so stressed about it. It seems like the biggest deal in the world, and then you work out, and then afterward you assess that same situation, and it really doesn't seem that big of a deal. Yeah, it's almost like in my 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 way of thinking about it is I almost forget about it. Like I I work out and like I just focus on while I'm working out. I focus on my workout. And I focus on whatever I'm doing, and then. I just kind of let everything else go away, and that puts me, like you guys said, like after a workout, that mental headspace, it just kind of like carries over for me. And I think uh, building blocks, right? So you you can compound negative things. So something bad happens to you. So whether it be a bad day, something, an adversity in life, um, it could be something more serious, right? but if you let those bad things kind of compound on top of each other, that can lead to maybe a negative place, right? Um, making sure, you, you brought it up, Dave, the fact that um, you really wanna like kind of string together some wins, right? Um, and, and you can, and the self-care aspect of it is you take and you create the win for yourself just by doing something to take care of yourself. Now, when you're talking to uh, service to others, right? And there's all different ways to serve others. But I, I think as humans, we should be looking for ways to serve each other and to be of service to one another. Um, but how can we expect to do that if we're not taking care of ourselves? Cause right, like if you don't have anything in your reserves or in your tanks, or if you're not strong enough to physically do it, you're, you're going to wear out. I think the, and you had touched on that, is the ability to kind of pour back into yourself so that if you are if you are truly trying to serve others, you have to create that good self-care routine, that good like build you up so you're strong enough, like you said, in an actual physical way, while you were over in Afghanistan, you had to like physically be able to pick somebody up Right? You had to like, hey, if, if shit goes wild here, if shit goes bad, like I've got to physically carry another like full grown ass man. And that's like a, that's a, that's a true, but maybe it's not always in that manner, right? Like uh, in our day-to-day lives, most of us are not gonna experience that. But maybe it's not physically carrying someone, but maybe it's the mental fortitude or the mental strength to be able to pick somebody else up or to be able to help someone. And that mental strength can be brought upon by having the physical strength or the the ability to meet that adversity in a workout, and then you can carry that over. So like build a a win on top of a win. So that commitment and consistency. Yeah, and I I think you know 
what you're what you're talking about is, is two things, right? And so we we we, we talk about overexertion in, in the gym in the sense of like physical overexertion where you you strain yourself, you pull the muscle, you break something, right? Because you're trying to do something that your your body is not capable of doing at, at that particular time. It's this, the same thing happens in a mental space, right? In the sense of you can overextend yourself in, in a social setting, or you can overcommit yourself to to people who who not take energy from you, but they they need more more mental you know emotional care than others. Um, and so you, you know you, we need to be cognizant of that, particularly right now with with not only what's happening with you know political changes, but also with with you know the pandemic and all that. And a lot of people are, are struggling mentally. Uh, you know, we need to take care, you need to take care of yourself mentally in addition to trying to like help others, but also don't overextend yourself to where you just become another one of them. And then you are not able to serve the people who you've already committed to serving, right? So if you're serving five people and they all have, you know, whatever, whatever issue that's going on, right? And you're tapped out at the end of those five, like don't take on a six, right? Have that that introspective look and say, okay, I don't, I don't need to do this right now. Just like if you're on, you know, rep number nine and you feel a little tweak, maybe don't go for rep number 10, you know, the same thing, like live to fight another day, but also like, you know, the, the next day, like go out and help somebody else, but also maybe that next day, take that day to yourself and help yourself. Sure. Uh, Cause that's, that's, that's going to be, you know, service to, to all of them later on and that will pay dividends. Uh, me personally, I know that uh, when I go back to the D.C. area, one of my very, very close friends, um, one of our former colleagues just committed suicide. And so that is something that, um, you know, we're going to have to address and, and work through. And that is not an easy thing to do. Um, so for me, I know that I am going to spend the next few days mentally preparing myself for that. Um, not saying that that is a bad thing, but that is you know, what you do to support your friends, right? And that is, you know, everything from, you know, physical contact of just hugging and making sure that they know that you're there to also talking through, you know, what that's like, right? How people come to make those decisions and why people make those decisions and, and ensuring that they are okay because, you know, sometimes people aren't in a great headspace and so just trying to make the, the, the best of that situation. Yeah, that's... That's as real as it gets because, I mean, supporting those, and we, we don't always know what we're going through, right? That's one thing. I mean, that's that's a... You don't know everybody else's story. That's that's one thing that I've, I, 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 I've felt is, uh, and, I, and, I've, and I've heard before, and I've, I've had a family member that took their own life, and the one lesson that I tried to take away from something of that nature is just it's good to to always be in the mindset of you don't know what the other person is going through so and and I always I always fall short of that it's easy to to forget that but like how do you support those around you um that's a good point like you know, sometimes it, uh, preparing yourself for that, right? Like uh, you said, physical contact, like a hug, just just being able to be supportive of those like that have had someone that has, you know, a friend or a loved one that's done that because 
especially with everything that's taken place in this country over the past year, um, there's a lot of people that like they maybe didn't realize they had mental health issues, but once you're forced into isolation and now that makes you deal with a whole list of things that you maybe didn't realize that you had going on inside you. Um, and that's like a, that's a, that's something that that's real. There's a lot of yeah. people that have, that have, that, that have a lot of dark things going on inside them and, and they don't necessarily feel like they can, they can talk about that. So making yourself available as a friend, yeah. if, if you notice someone is, is sad or, you know, just making yourself available and, and being open to the fact of, and always thinking in the terms of, I don't know what the person next to me has gone through. So always trying to take that into account and, uh, with the way that we like react to each other and we treat each other, so that. I but yeah. yeah, I feel like you feel better as a person too when you when you turn around and you help other people. Sure, that helps yourself. Yeah, and you learn something about yourself too in doing that, right? I mean, because you know, if you if you've not experienced loss or you've not experienced you know isolation or whatever that is, having someone explain what that's like to them and being an ear is not only beneficial to you, but to them, it's also beneficial to you in the sense that you are now learning through their experiences, right? And I think that's something that, that we can all, you know, accept and, and start to take advantage of, uh, you know, particularly with, with you know, the, the current political climate, not to make this about politics, but, you know, like, you know, it, it's hard to understand what the other side is, is, is going through or what they're thinking if you're not willing to, like, sit down and listen and have a but that also goes for the other side too. Like they need to be, yeah. be willing to do the same. There's definitely, I know I want to harp on the full of politics here, but there's definitely, especially in this time, there's a lot of division. People can't have a civil conversation with the other side. And it's, yeah, it's a tough time. It's like the people who, uh, who say that you should do deadlift on back day and the people who say you should do deadlift on leg day. You know, <laughs> they, pr they probably go fisticuffs in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I want to I want to say too, Dave. Uh, the I haven't known you for that long, but I could tell. Like, it, so I, I think I, I've said it before on the podcast is you can tell like an interchange of energy, right? So like when you meet someone, uh, we are by nature as human beings, we are energy. We're carrying around these, we're walking around these meat suits, so to speak, our bodies, but we are a force of energy. You have a, a strong and, and good source of energy. I think part of that is probably the way you were raised. You, you probably have a great family from everything I've heard you say. That's a, that's a big part of it. The people you've chosen to surround yourself with, right? Um, and just accountability for, like you're talking about, accountability for your actions, committing to yourself to take care of yourself. Um, it it all encompasses that, um, and I mean it probably doesn't hurt that you're from Texas because I I have yet to meet I my grandparents live down in Texas and so I've spent some quite a quite a bit of time down there in the San Antonio area and uh, I have yet to meet uh, somebody from Texas a Texan um, that was not like just fun to be around or like a nice person so. Um, you have you have kept with that. Yeah, uh, I have family actually, a lot of family from Texas, from San Antonio, yeah. and 
I, I've, what I've noticed whenever I went down there is it's very family oriented. Like it's like, I, I whenever you talk from different families, they're like, oh, you're part of that family, and like, I don't know. That's how I know that's from, at least from where I went. That's how it was kind of like divided. Yeah, I, I grew up in a, in a town that was. I grew up in Lubbock, Amarillo, and there are towns of you know now I guess their city is two hundred thousand. Uh, but it's it's small town feel. Everybody knows everybody, right? And so it's like, oh, you're part of, you know, you're part of this family, you're part of that family, and it's got a stigma with it. Um, but what what I will say about my parents, and one of the things that is is still a lesson that I have to learn is that um, it's it's okay to take a loss, right? In the mm-hmm. sense of it's okay to take a loss when you have a bad day and you let it get to you, like it, you know that that that's all right. Um, you know, you you have to learn from that. Uh, just like you know, you, you go into the gym and maybe that day you're not giving it your all because your head's in a different space, or you know you've got some sort of ailment or injury that you're dealing with. Like that's okay too. Like you're you you will come back from that. You know the old adage of like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, but it's about being willing to accept that loss um, and and persevere from that. And it's one of the things that my parents instilled in me at a young age because you know I failed a lot as a kid. You know I thought that I wanted to you know, be a baseball player for a long time and that lasted all about like six weeks. And then I thought that I wanted to be a professional soccer player and that lasted 14 years. Uh, and then I realized, oh wow, I'm definitely not good enough to do that. Um, and then it was, you know, wanting to be a lawyer and all of these things. And certainly I had a lot of, you know, a ton of family support, but you know, at every stage in life, right, you hit something where you think you can't do it and then you end up doing it, right? So it's okay to, to fail and take those losses because you're going to learn more not only about yourself, but also about the world around you. And you'll also learn more about the friends that you have and who's gonna be there for you when you take those, when you do fail, and who's gonna, who's gonna be there when you take those losses to be like, yeah, don't worry about that, man. Um, I guess my, my, one of the things, you know, something that my dad always told me is like, if you're gonna commit to something, and we've been talking about commitments for quite a bit throughout this one, is just don't half-ass it. Yeah. <laughs> go, go all in, all ass it. All yeah, my, my grandpa. <laughs> That's going to be a new term on the all podcast. Asset. You know, or maybe out in the course, so you got to all ass it, you know? I like that. <laughs> no half assing here. It's, it's, all it's all the Texas it. version of full send, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, my grandpa used to tell me a similar thing. He used to be like, once you finish something, once you start something, you have to finish it. Like, whenever we would start, like, I, I played so- like, I played soccer when I, before I couldn't play football, like, before I could play football, like, in first grade, and I hated it. Obviously, I'm not I'm not built like a soccer player, you know. <laughs> but um, I remember I had, I started it, and he was like, "Well, you started it, and I wanted to quit." I was like, "I hate this. It's terrible." And he's like, "Nope, you have to finish it." So it's kind of the same, a similar message where you just have to, for sure, giving no option other than to finish it. Yeah, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't take you down a path that you kind of envisioned or. Maybe it gets a little bit like, oh, why'd I do this? But yeah, that, that's a good point about being able to finish those things. And um, yeah, just really that back to commitment, right? Mm-hmm. Committing to it. And even if you're going to fail at it, just giving it your, your all while you're in it, right? So, because at the end of the day, right, when we get to the end of this life, we would hope that we don't want to have a regret towards the fact of, well, did I half-ass it for most of my life? Yeah. Did I not give it my all? Because now we've gotten to a point of reflection towards the yeah. tail end of our life. 
hopefully we're not looking back reflecting on the fact that we half-assed it, we, we didn't give it our all in a lot of the endeavors. Regardless of a win or a failure, there's always an opportunity to learn from a win. Sometimes we can learn from wins, but right, most of the time you're gonna learn the most from those losses because most of us, I mean, it, I'm gonna speak for myself here. I hate to lose, so like, why would you wanna repeat that so you can learn, okay, I'm not gonna repeat that same mistake how do I execute better next time? Or how do I go about it in a different way? Or how do I just avoid doing that same thing? I'm never gonna do that again, you know? So. Yeah, I, um, I heard a quote the other day, uh, it's maybe a little off topic, but uh, from Donnie Marshall, the UConn great, UConn <laughs> men's basketball great, uh, that said that he, doesn't, he didn't remember any of the wins. He said he only remembered the losses. Yeah. So like he only took things, he, he obviously had good memories of winning but like he said he only really took away things that came from losses hmm. I feel like that's when you learn most about a person like about yourself is how you bounce back from losses like yeah like do you bounce back or do you fold you know yeah yeah, yeah the, the grading for me at least in my life the greatest learning moments have been in the face of challenges and adversity and and failures and losses those are the things that you that you take with you and you learn from. You know, his, history repeats itself as much as it does in your te in a textbook as it does in, in your life. And eventually, you are going to encounter some sort of situation that you encountered previously in, in your life. And those those times of, of adversity, when you see them again in your life, you're going to know exactly how to handle it. So you don't have that loss, and you're going to turn that loss into a W. Yeah. Or to turn it into a Matthew McConaughey phrase, you're gonna turn that red light into a green light. <laughs> yeah. Turn that L into a but, lesson. But then there's, but then there's also, I feel like there's another option where people learn from their losses, but then they don't, they don't apply it. So then there, there, there's, I feel like there's two steps to it. You have to learn, and then you have to apply that. What you I feel learned. like that's even worse. It, it's harder. It, it's, it's almost like you're in that situation again. You have to realize it, and then you have to like apply what you learned yeah. previously from your failure. Sure. The old adage, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> that was... Uh... Fool me three times. Uh, J. Cole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the peace signs. There you go. <laughs> Good quote there. I saw yeah, an Elon I Musk say. quote the other day that said... <laughs> or no, it wasn't really a quote. It was a tweet. When uh, he was replying to the fact that he just became the richest man in the world. And he said, um, that's cool. All right, back to work. Right? Yeah. I mean... You celebrate the win, but you don't really learn from it. Yeah, it's all like in every post game conference you see it, or post press conference, you see, post game press conference. Jesus, Dylan, <laughs> that you can see is uh, after like a game, like LeBron James or like all these great uh, uh, players. They um, they always say like, all right, we're gonna enjoy this for a couple nights, and then we're gonna get back to work. We're gonna enjoy this, and then back to work on Monday. You know, yeah. so for sure. So, David, now you touched on it a little bit, and I, I want to pick your brain on this a little bit because, like I said, we've, we've touched on it. But in Afghanistan, in your time over there, do you keep in touch with a lot of the guys that you spent time with, or do you have, did you forge any relationships that have come, you know, because you, if you're doing some of this, this work and you're doing some of this stuff, do you, do you have the ability there? 
because like you're talking about, right? The way you train, you you took it into a practical sense. You're like, I got to pick up this dude, right? Getting back to that, like, but you're talking about life or death circumstances in some cases. You're talking about some serious situations. So I only bring that up to say, typically that's going to forge some relationships or, or stuff that are probably pretty strong. So did you did you have that or you still do? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm good friends still with a couple of the guys. Uh, we're kind of scattered all over the globe. Um, two of them are in Florida now. Uh, they actually, at one point, after Afghanistan, after we all left in 2015, uh, they went and bought a dive shop in Belize and ran a scuba diving shop for a number of years. That's pretty uh, cool. And mm-hmm. they both met the loves of their lives and settled down. They moved to Florida, so they still spend time on the, on the beach and scuba diving. Uh, one of the guys um, is based in New Orleans now, uh, and he and his, his girlfriend are doing really well. He went back to Afghanistan for another another go-around um, for an extremely large sum of money, so good for him. Uh, a couple a couple of guys have gone completely off the grid um, just by choice yep. to the point that um, a particular uh, Marine Corps major, who shall not be named, um, was, I'm pretty certain, storing money under his mattress in a Midwestern state. Uh, <laughs> but by, by all accounts, uh, he's still doing well. And then, you know, there are, there are the relationships that I have that are just, like, very, like, intermittent, right? We're all um, – I'll email some of, the, uh, some of our British guys just to just see how they're doing. Just touch um, base. Yeah, so one of my – one of the guys, Adam, super great guy, uh, grew up in southern England. He's got a wife, two kids, souped up an old 70s VW, uh, like, bus – that he and his he and his wife and the girls would drive down to the beach in, right? And so I check in on him. He was last time I talked to him, he was working um, security for one of the mines in Africa, pulling out I think diamonds and iron. Jeez. Um, so yeah, they I mean they've all gone on to do like pretty interesting things. It's a wide array of it's 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 a wide wide array of of takes all sorts of people. Yeah, I think actually uh, I think TJ down in Florida is a police officer now. <laughs> really, which nice. is hysterical yeah you get the wide there's a wide ranging uh amount of talents there and and different different courses what did that what did that like so obviously you learned a lot of lessons was how did coming back to there i'm not going to ask specific events that took place or anything but like how did your experience there affect you coming back so like as as you were talking about it's obviously a very serious thing you're in a country which is in a constant state of flux there's there's you know war zones around you and stuff so how do you come back from a situation like that like how do you reintegrating back into uh coming back to the u.s like how did that affect you coming back from that yeah so when i uh when i left afghanistan um i was asked to i was almost forced to bribe my way out of the country um which is another story entirely and then it was a 17-hour flight from uh, from Dubai to Houston, and then I landed and I was back in society. Um, which, after spending two years in in a war zone where you've got you know IEDs and incoming fire and, and direct fire, depending on what you're doing and the risk of stepping on landmines and you're in the middle of nowhere, um, is not the easiest way to come back. Um, but at the same time, right, to circle back to commitments and, and mental fortitude and stamina, right? Like I was mentally exhausted and relative, like relatively mentally broken coming back. Um, and 
you know, you have to rebuild that. And you also have to understand that, like, just because you've been gone for two years, like, doesn't mean that life has stayed the exact same, you know, back in the United States. Like, everything had changed. Most people didn't even realize that we still had troops in Afghanistan all day. Or if they listened to the news, they, you know, didn't even realize that we had troops there. They probably only heard that we were withdrawing troops and that we were leaving. Um, and, you know, that's that that can take a, that takes a blow. Um, I can remember being at a bar in Dallas, Texas, and, you know, this bombshell blonde girl at the bar turns to me and she starts chatting me up. And I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. This is heaven on earth. Uh, and she's like, what do you do? And I said, I'm unemployed. Because <laughs> uh, at the time I was unemployed, I just came back from Afghanistan. She was like, wait, what? And I explained that I just come back from Afghanistan. And she said, oh, I didn't realize that we still had troops there. And uh, I legit, I lost it on this girl. So if she's out here and listens to this podcast, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> you caught me at a bad time in life. <laughs> um, you know, but, and, you know, we can make light of the situation now, but at the same time, yeah. I, I can remember going on a, I, I got back, I, I bought I bought my car, and I drove around Texas, and I just visited people that I hadn't seen in years. And I came back, and um, and my mom, I, I, I came in and, you know, settled back in, and my mom pulled me aside one day, and she sat at the kitchen table, I'll never forget this. Um, she asked me, she's like, I, you know, Dave, are, are you thinking about taking your own life? And I think she was just overly concerned about what my mental, mental status was because I just wasn't really, like, coming back to to reality. Um, and there are things that I think that I will take with me for a long time from Afghanistan uh, in the sense that, like, uh, I still don't sleep great at night. Um, I do a lot of – I struggle to turn off the, the conscious control, right, so that, like um, – the feeling when you get in bed, right, you're falling asleep, that feeling of falling, right, that's your your subconscious and your conscious, like, like fighting for, for control, right? So your subconscious takes over when you sleep, which essentially just automates everything and allows you to go into a rim eventually, hopefully you get there. Um, I have that issue um, at least once a week where, like, I consciously do that. I actually had it last night, um, so I slept terribly last night. Um, so there are things like that that I just will probably have to, you know, come to terms with eventually. Um, but, you know, I also, I made the commitment to go to Afghanistan to serve, you know, our country and to, and to serve the Afghan people and to hopefully make that place better. I'm not sure that we did that, but that's a, definitely a different conversation. Um, but in coming back, you inherently signed another commitment, and that is you have to come back to eventually being yourself to your family and your loved ones and the people around you because as much as they are happy that you're back and as much as things have changed you also have to recognize that you have changed and there are certain triggers and things that you now have that you need to work through and me personally for a long time I ignored those and I'm sure that I took them out on my friends and family um who, you know, tolerated it, to be frank, um, when they probably shouldn't have. Uh, and that's how you know you surrounded yourself with good people when, you know, you can cuss out one of your best friends and instead of him punching you in the face, he just gives you a hug, right? That's, that's how you know 
you've made a good choice when it comes to your friends and um, you know that has helped put a lot of things in perspective for me coming back and certainly there are still days where I get frustrated with the state of the world or issues with Afghanistan or what's going on um, either politically or in DC right now um, but you know I have a very unique perspective on that that you know, it's not shared by everybody else, and I have to understand that that's, you know, the, the way it is because of the commitment that I made, uh, and you just, you know, learn to accept that. I think that's sometimes is the diff most difficult part is accepting, like, you know, you are flawed. You know, when you are trying to put off this, like, machismo thing, or you're trying to put off this, like, oh, I have a perfect body, or whatever, like, you know, your flaws are, are what make you human. Mm -hmm. The people who you surround yourself with, your true friends, your true family, etc., are going to love you despite your flaws or in spite of your flaws, uh, and that's what's important. That's awesome. That's 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 a lot, man. Like just to go go through all that to process that, and um, yeah, like you you said it. The family and friends you surround yourself is is really the key to all that, right? Because if you don't have that support system, um, like how how would you think you have fared without without that good support? Right, it would have been even more difficult than it already was. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at the you look at the rates of, of you know veteran suicide, veterans unemployment, veterans you know living on the streets, homelessness, etc. Right, it's it's skyrocketed, and that's not because of the VA's failures, which of which there are plenty. Um, you know, it's because these guys, maybe they didn't have any other options, right? And so they joined the military coming out of high school and they came back and now they've blown all, all the money that they could have potentially made on drugs, alcohol, poor decisions, whatever it is to try and get them out of whatever, whatever mental situation that they're in that they just can't seem to rid themselves of. And, you know, I think that to a certain extent, some of those, some of those guys, we've all kind of fallen into two camps, right? You've got the guys that are willing to talk about it and the guys who are not you know you always hear like you know the guys coming back from from world war ii in vietnam like they just never talked about it right you just you don't talk about what happened over there and 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 you just you, just, you know kind of silo that off as that's like that was the part of my life and now i'm going to move on but those things always you know kind of creep out in some you know way shape or form whether it's some sort of trigger or something that you have and so i think it's a it's a huge huge move by the United States military and a lot of these guys come out and say no we want to talk about PTSD we want to talk about the traumatic events we had we want to share those experiences so people can have a better understanding and I think that's a great thing though I personally fall into the latter category if I just don't particularly want to talk about it um, but also here I am talking about it so no and I, I, I think <laughs> we appreciate it yeah that's what I was gonna say I, we, we really appreciate it I don't mean to put you on the spot with any of this stuff it's more so but it it is it's, it's an important thing to talk about, regardless, like, just in general, right? So just, I appreciate it for the fact of having a better understanding, because I haven't had that many uh, conversations with those that have spent time in these war-torn countries and in and, and conflict. And um, so, like I said before, it's just a, a lack of understanding and uh, like to have a better understanding of what you go through. and. My question, another question for you is how, 
what's like a good way for someone that I will never serve in that particular way, but what's, what's a, what's a good support or is there, is there a way that you would recommend to maybe show your support towards like whether it be some sort of contribution or like an organization that you really find um, is very helpful towards um, veterans or those that have served in these war-torn countries like I'm just looking for like a specific way that you could like um, give do you have any recommendation towards that that's all I have to get you some um, wounded warriors there's a lot of stuff though they also do a lot of things that are There's a there's like a Green Beret Foundation out there that does great stuff for special operations guys, um, and there's one or two others I'm just blanking on the names yeah. um, that are all. Great, I put you on the spot on great, that one. Great, great so. materials, <laughs> um, and there there are, uh, not to not to bad about the VA earlier. My apologies. Um, there are some wonderful changes that are happening in the VA, and you know that is a massive bureaucracy that is that is, wrapped, is being, currently being overhauled within the Department of Defense, and so I think that we'll see changes for the better in, in terms of taking care of our veterans. Deserve, you know, the, this the kind of support uh, that they need in the healthcare, both mental and physical. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Because I mean, uh, honestly, it, again, as just someone who hasn't uh, trying to show some sh- sort of support in that in that manner or a way to, you know, be able to just provide something back for the time spent, and because that is a huge commitment that a vast majority of Americans don't have to make that sacrifice or haven't made that sacrifice and um, it helps to have a better understanding and then of, of ways to, to help. Um, but yeah, I appreciate yeah. The, you being so readily able to share those things. I remember uh, you were speaking of, of Vietnam and World War II. Um, I worked in construction and one of my bosses had served in uh, Vietnam and he had a tell that I could, he was, he was, uh, he was the project manager. So we were up on a, a bridge construction in San Diego. And there was one time I hadn't heard this story. I heard about it post haste, which I wish I had heard it prior to, but anyways, it's loud underneath the, uh, it's loud underneath the bridge as you're walking up the, underneath the Coronado bridge in San Diego. Um, he was walking, I saw him, so I start to speed up, I start running to catch him because I need to tell him something. He didn't hear me coming up, I tap him on the shoulder, and he, first of all, he was from Iowa. You wanna talk about corn fed? Dude's hands made my hand feel like uh, I was a five-year-old. So he had mitts on him, he played baseball, was, was a big dude, pretty intimidating. And uh, at 78 years old, could outwork most of the 25-year-olds on the job. So. Um, regardless to say, when he turned around and almost swung at me, I almost shit myself. So uh, point being is he still had that from his time served in Vietnam. He had those triggers like if he didn't know in that, that feeling of like it, it stays with you even into his 70s, you know, like that doesn't go away. That's, that's, a, that's something that's, that's real, right? That, that's, a, that's a real reaction. And I heard all the stories post. He told me, he's like, hey, never walk up to me from behind don't ever tap me on the shoulder i was like you got it boss um (laughs) but yeah it's just uh, again just having a better understanding because most of the people in the country what is it we have over 350 million people in this country the vast majority have not served um 
400,000, I think, active duty and reserve. That's it. Yeah. So that's less than, that's what, that's almost 1%. Yeah. So. Uh, and of which I think 20% come from the great state of Texas. Just for the record. <laughs> we're, we're, we're patriotic, even if sometimes people threaten to secede. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Texas is a great place. I gotta, I gotta give it up to them. Uh, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed my time in Texas, and it, there's, you're a different breed down there, man. Um, Everything's big. I have a shirt that says, uh, <laughs> it's just a dumb shirt. He goes, "There's, we don't, we don't have police officers. We have guns." <laughs> and it's like, it's like, a, it's like a Texas behind it. <laughs> it's like, we should make a golf trip to Texas, man. Yeah, yeah. that's that's another uh, that's another thing I've heard about the fact of uh, everybody's nice to each other because. Uh, Everybody's got guns for yeah. the most part, but um, that that's another uh, conversation entirely. Uh, but but um, yeah, yeah, sorry, but uh, we have we work with a guy um, who actually was in Vietnam, and he I had a conversation oh, with Ken. him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had not Ken. But I had a conversation with uh, um, this guy about like what he goes through, and he says that. Cause I, he was always, he's always kind of mad at everything, right? He's like, he's always kind of snarky. And we, I was like, man, like, why? And he's like, and he just told me about what he does every night before he goes to bed. He says he cases his house. He has to go check every door and window four times before he goes to bed because he's just paranoid about it. And it's just. He's at the course every morning, practically 3.30. 3.30 in the morning, four, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's like dark out. He's got lights on on this thing. Just uh, another example, and that was, and he's, and he's one of that, that older generation, mm-hmm. where I don't know, I'm not, I don't know much about it, but I don't, I wouldn't think they had much back then for support. I mean, most most Vietnam vets came back to a, essentially yeah, a country Vietnam. exactly like what ours is right now. It was incredibly divided, right? You had yeah. protests across almost every major university, protesting the war effort, etc. And so, you know, these guys are coming back after being drafted, mind you. They didn't volunteer. They were forced to go. And they're coming back and people are throwing, you know, blood and, and, you know, beer cans or whatever at them and calling them baby killers. And they're just like, I I just did what my country asked me to do. Yeah, they can't. Forced me to do, Mm -hmm. right? You know, that, but that, you know, it, it didn't matter, right? And so, you know, as we were talking about earlier, like, like being able to sit across from, the opposite side, right, politically or whatever, and having a civil conversation to try and to try and like resolve whatever issue it is that we have, that I think is 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 the next move, right? You know, we we've seen the country very divided in Vietnam and the Civil War. We're now in that now. How do we as a populace, you know, the United States populace, the citizenry come together and say, Okay, I'm not gonna be hard on the person who is across the aisle from me, I'm not gonna yell at them and, and call them some sort of name. Let's you and me sit down and let's let's have a serious, critical conversation about the issue and let's resolve that. And let's come to an agreement on that. And yes, you know, you're gonna have to uh, you know, you're gonna have to make sacrifices. Both sides are gonna have to make sacrifices, right? You can't you, you can't live in a democracy without some sort of sacrifice, right? Our guys are, you know, as we're talking about throughout the entire podcast, our, our guys in, in uniform make those sacrifices every day. Our civil servants make those sacrifices every day in ways that don't get talked about. Um, we, as a citizenry, need to be willing to do that, and our politicians also be able to do that so we can get the country back on track and aligned and unified in a way that doesn't tear the country apart from the inside out, 
and doesn't support our adversaries like Russia, China, etc., that are right now watching this and saying, this is the United States we want because they're not a problem right now because we're too busy focusing internally. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, I think that's also a great way to kind of end it off here. Um, Dave, wealth of knowledge. You're, we really appreciate you coming on, helping us have a better understanding, right? So for anybody that's listening, uh, we've talked about golf. We've talked to entrepreneurs. This is, this is, we've talked about fitness. You shared some of your fitness stories with us today, but I would say this is probably one of the best lessons slash subjects that we've talked to to this point because you want to talk about being under par. This is, uh, and trying to be the best version of yourself and to always strive to do better. Um, a great way to do so and something that's very important is obviously your own mental health um, and also serving others. So those two things we really touched on. And, and how about thinking about those that have served, are continuing to do so, that have family mem members that are doing so, um, and the immense toll that that takes on those. So fight for our freedoms, fight for our ability to live in this America that really has been great and it's a great place to live, right? It's like, it, it's something you can, uh, I, I've always been very appreciative of that fact. So I just wanna say thanks again. Thanks for helping us to give a different perspective, something that we haven't looked at to this point. Um, and you shared your story and, and you, you kinda just let us in. So we appreciate that. Yeah, thank and, you. And uh, keep being under par, man. We, we appreciate you and uh, we will catch you all later. Thanks for listening. And uh, remember to be under par. Peace.